Welcome to Easy Bake Takes, the podcast where we read you the one-star reviews of your favorite movies and more. My name's Kat. And I'm Riley. Since I picked the theme of movies that I thought I made up but turned out to be real, I picked Fern Gully, Mm -hmm. which came out in 1992 and thank God is only an hour and 16 minutes long. (laughs) Um, It's... Um, okay, so it is a fantasy kids movie that is rated G. Quick summary of it, and then we'll get into a detailed one. Krista is a fairy who lives in Ferngully, a rainforest in Australia, and has never seen a human before. In fact, she is told they are extinct. But when a logging company comes near the rainforest, she sees that they do exist and even accidentally shrinks one of them, a boy named Zack. Now her size, Zack sees the damage that the company does and helps Krista to stop not only them, but an evil entity named Hexus who feeds off pollution. So that's the short summary. Here's the a little more detailed one. So Krista, who lives in Ferngully, it's a picturesque rainforest that's up until this point been untouched by human pollution fairies of fern gully once lived in harmony with the humans but they believe that they've gone extinct and believe they were driven away by hexus krista is an apprentice of maggie luna who is a fairy that is imprisoned hexus in a tree and one day krista explores the forest and meets batty coda a bat who claims to have been experimented on by humans giving him a manic and deluded personality however (laughs) Fairies refuse to believe him except for Krista, who volunteers to investigate the situation. She meets Zack, a young lumberjack whom Krista accidentally shrunk when she tried to save him from being crushed by a falling tree, though does not know how to restore him to normal size. The tree that Hexus is imprisoned in is cut down by Zack's supervisors, Tony and Ralph. Hexus quickly begins to regain his powers by feeding on pollution. He manipulates Tony and Ralph to drive to Ferngully. In Ferngully, Zack meets Pip, a fairy jealous of Zack's relationship with Krista. Zack begins to fall in love with Krista, but hides the true reason. He also calls her a bodacious babe. <laughs> but hides the true reason that the humans had returned. When the signs of Hexus's resurrection begin to manifest themselves in poisoned trees and rivers, Zack finally admits that humans are destroying the forest. The fairies mount an attempt to defend their home. Knowing their fight is hopeless, Zack convinces Batty to aid him in stopping the machine before it destroys them. When Zack makes his presence known to Tony and Ralph, Hexus takes over the machine and begins wildly destroying the forest. Maggie sacrifices herself to give the fairies a chance, and she tells Krista to remember everything she's learned. Zack manages to stop the machine, depriving Hexus the source of his power, but he manifests himself with the oil in the machine and begins to ignite the forest ablaze. Krista sacrifices herself by allowing herself to be devoured by Hexus, and all seems lost until he begins to sprout limbs and leaves like a tree. Batty, Pips, and the rest of the fairies rally to the powers they have been given, which causes the seed that Krista fed Hexus to start growing wildly. Hexus and the machine are both simultaneously imprisoned by the newly grown tree at the very border of Ferngully, which bursts into bloom. Krista appears after the fight, having survived and succeeds Maggie as a magical fairy. She gives Zack a seed, begging him to remember everything that has transpired, and she forlornly restores him to human size. Remembering the seed in his hand, Zack promises to to remember his adventure and buries the seed in the soil before telling Tony and Ralph that things need to change as they leave the forest behind. The seed sprouts new growth for Ferngully and as Krista playfully chases Pip with Batty following. The end. 
<laughs> I have lots of comments. <laughs> Let's get some background and then we'll... Mm-hmm. So this film was directed by Bill Croyer, who was a former Disney employee, which seems to be a theme with the last two movies we've done. Yeah. The movie was written by Jim Cox and is based on the original story by Diane Young. The cast includes Samantha Mathis playing Krista, Christian Slater playing Pips, Jonathan Ward playing Zach, Robin Williams as Batty Coda, Tim Curry as Hexus. Hell yeah. Grace Zabriskie as Maggie Luna, Tommy Chong as Root, and Cheech Marin as Stump. Huh. Don't remember those characters. I could not tell you who they were. So a little bit of trivia before we get into our thoughts. Common criticism that this movie faced, even to this day, is despite the message of saving the trees, it was an animated movie where trees would have been used to make the paper to animate it. God damn it. (laughs) I didn't even think about that. Oh, no. Oh. To counter that a little bit, production time was greatly reduced by the use of computer animation to create elements such as flocks of birds that would have taken much longer to animate traditionally. So they, they, they used some computer instead of paper. Mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tim Curry's original voice recordings were so eerie and sinister that it made children cry during test screenings. Well, of course it fucking did. You hired Tim Curry. What the fuck did you want? You hired Pennywise. Are you kidding? <laughs> yeah, you got what you wanted. <laughs> and then Curry had to be called back in for some less intimidating retakes. Hey, Tim, can you tone it down a little? <laughs> no. <laughs> and then a running gag is that Batty, being a bat and thus short-sighted, keeps running into things. Yet, Batty is a fruit bat. These are day animals which have quite good sight, particularly useful to spot berries and fruit to feed on. So Batty wouldn't have had bad eyesight. But I feel like you could also say Batty's a little delusional, so he probably thinks he can't see that well. Well, he was animal tested on too, so you can blame anything on that. They put shampoo in his fucking eyes. Like, what do you expect? (laughs) The two interesting, like, things that they had in the credits for this movie is they said special thanks to the United States Postal Service for their efforts to raise environmental awareness. Huh. The dedication for this movie said, for our children and our children's children. Damn. Mm-hmm. Which is sweet. Yeah, it is. It is. But it also, uh, we'll get into that, I guess. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Go ahead and tell me what you think about this movie. Oh, where to begin? Okay, so I watched this an hour ago. <laughs> and uh, I only watched this movie once while growing up. It, probably because tearing down the tree scene and probably hexes probably scared me a little too much or overwhelmed me. I was a very... <laughs> environmentally conscious child anxiety and all that it never left (laughs) no me too so it probably bothered me a lot while watching it so when i turned this movie on i only had little to no memory of this movie one didn't know it had songs in it completely blocked that out had no clue also there's a scene where krista is going through his wallet after she shrunk zach and he has a work permit did you read the work permit didn't say he's like five eight or something no he's he's five eleven did you see his age no. He's 16 in this movie. That character is supposed to be 16. And he's out in the rainforest cutting down trees. What six? It's Australia, okay? <laughs> it's different. It's different. <laughs> but I mean, depending on what, what the year is for this, I could believe it, but it's literally like the 90s. It's like 92, yeah. So I, you know what? I could see a kid going, like maybe he left school and decided. Yeah. Gonna go to the rainforest, cut down trees. Is this movie gonna give us a reason? No. <laughs> They're just gonna throw information at us and hope that we figure it out. I just was like so thrown off by that. I was like, yeah. what? So that was interesting. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I guess I didn't notice that. Just like overall, this movie is a lot of nothing. It has a great message like, hey kids, the rainforest is being cut down. That's not a good thing. Let's be conscious of the, like, it's great message. 
but a lot of nothing happens in this movie. And there's like a ton of like their fairies and their magical and all that, but that's not really like their lore of like how they use magic or is not it's really vague like that whole scene where they're all like in the tree maggie's like giving her powers away to them and they Mm -hmm. for whatever reason turn from green to blue and there's all this fairy dust around it's like what's going on Mm -hmm. i don't know what's happening are they getting powers what does that mean why is this taking 10 minutes also the last 15 minutes of this movie they only realize hexes the bad villain of this movie is out of the tree the last 15 minutes of this movie they don't even know the villains out there until towards the end this movie's a mess (laughs) completely it is a messy choppy filler movie great message but what (laughs) yeah you said you only watched it once growing up i watched it one time one time we had it on vhs yeah i watched it multiple times and i didn't remember (laughs) any of it that that should tell you though like, this movie's not... Well, nothing happens in it. What can you remember? It's very pretty, though. It is a very pretty movie. And it does have, like, 90s animation nostalgia that I did enjoy. Like, there's a whole, like, dance sequence when yeah. in the water. And there's, like, some 90s or 80s song playing in the background. I enjoy that. That's always a good time. <laughs> That's every 90s kid's movie song. There is, I'm sure, a point in the movie where it is like that. I think that's the end credit song. I think it is too. But I'm talking about the scene where it's like a slow dance 80s montage. Mm-hmm. Like they're not talking or anything. They're just like running through like pretty backgrounds, whatever. Yeah. I love that. That's the height of cinema for me. <laughs> you have to decide if that's enough for you. Like if it being yeah. pretty is enough for you. And I guess... Yeah. For me as a kid, I think it was. Like, it was just a pretty movie to look at. It was a children's movie. Like, it, it, it's, it's entertaining to a point. The animators actually were on site in Australia to do their initial sketches for, like, the backgrounds. Mm-hmm. So, like, in the rainforest in Australia, like, doing their... So they their... can hand cut down the trees for the movie. Yeah, they needed... <laughs> they wanted to have a direct, like, a farm-to-table farm to kind of paper source. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, they, I think it, I think that's cool though that they were literally sketching in the in the rainforest. Yes, it, it, it's very cool. <laughs> Chopping the trees down, looking for fairies. <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely don't remember this movie being a musical. I don't remember. I don't remember Robin Williams singing a song. Yeah. in this movie, I don't regret picking this because it's been a long time since mm-hmm. I, like either of us have picked a movie that we didn't like yeah yes that's true uh-huh. we didn't end up liking it after rewatching it mm-hmm. this movie's a mess <laughs> this movie is a complete mess it's kind of also on par with like journey to the center of the earth where it's like so forgettable to the point where it's like i was fully paying attention it, like it makes me feel like there's something wrong with my memory like i feel like this movie's <laughs> gaslighting me yeah to the point where I don't have a lot of say, lot to say that isn't going to be said in, like, the criticals. Yeah. So, do you have anything else to add? Princess Manioke did it better. <laughs> oh, so much better. It's the better version. That is a more subtle, beautiful, interesting version of this movie. This movie's very heavy-handed. Yes. See, kids, it's your fault the trees are getting chopped down. <laughs> we made this movie for you, fuckers. <laughs> it's Tim Curry saying this, too. <laughs> How did you feel about um, Tim Curry's character? Oh, he didn't say much. That's the whole thing. Like, he has a song and he has a few lines. He's not in this movie a lot. How did you feel about the song Toxic Love? Kind of like it. <laughs> it's, a, it's good, right? It's, it's, good. it's not bad. Like, okay. 
if there is one highlight to this movie, it's probably that. And the the hilariousness of the baddie rap. Yes. If you love Robin Williams, yes. <laughs> Hi, Helen. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, I was like, it's my favorite part. They just walk around and they go, Hi, Helen. <laughs> they wear bad shorts and just go, Hi, Helen. <laughs> I love that. That that was a good bit. Yes. Oh, he threatens Zach. <laughs> He's like, Am I dead? She's like, No, we could change that. <laughs> His character is hilarious. I think I liked I liked the movie for him and mm-hmm. Hexus. Like the gayest characters in the whole movie. I yep. loved <laughs> Yep. I just like his little comments in the background. Like whenever mm-hmm. um Zach is explaining like what bodacious means and like what like tubular means to mm-hmm. uh to Krista and he's just like, What a wonderful use of the language. <laughs> if you love good old robin williams like little banter chaos yeah if you if you like that i would honestly just go to youtube and watch clips and he he did this movie before he did aladdin and you could see a lot of similarities to how he does the genie i think it's mentioned in one of the critical reviews but they said like this must have been like his practice for genie and they were glad that he did fern gully first because he the genie was like a much more controlled version of that i think it's a well more developed it's a more well-developed version I think just the fact that they had Robin Williams, they were like, we'll let him do whatever he wants. (laughs) Thank you for being here. (laughs) Thank you for existing and being in our movie, sir. Mm -hmm. For those two characters alone, I think it's worth at least watching one time. One time. If you're looking for substance. Not here. (laughs) Not here. I don't have anything else to add at this moment. Mm -hmm. Same. So onto the critic reviews, I want to mention at the top here that a lot of uh, the critics writing them more recently that had watched it as a kid, Mm -hmm. they had forgotten about the film completely until it was like brought to their attention again. Mm -hmm. But the first review I have is from 100 Films from 2018 written by Richard Nelson. And I believe Richard Nelson did like 100 film reviews on this website. It was like 100 films in a year. First off, Nelson mentions that the movie is heavy on its environmental messaging. Mm -hmm. And though views on um, environmental activism have changed since the movie was initially released, we still haven't learned much in the three decades since the film came out. They also say that, quote, even more of its time are the musical numbers. They're very 1992 and not in a good way. (laughs) Such a good way to describe it. That said, although it's a terrible song, If I'm Gonna Eat Somebody, It Might As Well Be You is one of the best titles ever, end quote. Okay, I like that. (laughs) Williams and Curry stand out vocally, and then Curry's characterization and motivation seem underdeveloped like the rest of the movie does. Mm. He's given little to do, but the character at least looks good, and then ends with, quote, All in, Ferngully is a decent little animated adventure, a tad earnest, perhaps, but not too bad, but it's held back by weak music and a thin plot end quote um yeah i'd probably be a little bit harsher if i were writing this but i i get where he's coming from he still made all the points as bad as the music is the titles are great the titles <laughs> are great and i don't know i kind of like if i'm gonna eat somebody it might as well be you i kind of liked it <laughs> Not gonna there's a little wink at the end <laughs> i love that <laughs> i don't think that's the worst song in this movie it really is not. For Robin Williams having to learn that baddie rap. I know. <laughs> but the, the next review I have is from Current and was written by Malcolm Johnson in April of 1992. 
It says that the movie summons memories of Disney's Fantasia, but it delivers more drama and emotion than Fantasia. They just really meant, I think, in their review, mentioning the Hexus part at the end. It reminds them of that the end of Fantasia. Oh, okay. Okay, I can see what you got there. And then says, quote, Clear in its ideas about the destruction of trees and the fabric of nature, yet never naggingly preachy, Ferngully makes villains of those who would level rainforests for their exotic woods. End quote. How can you be the bad guy saying, please don't cut down the trees of this exactly. beautiful rainforest? How can you be the bad guy saying that? I don't think it's preachy. I would never describe this movie as preachy. Mm -hmm. It is heavy handed, though. Like it, it's it, heavy handed. Like that. That is the message. Mm -hmm. You're not going to forget it. But like, I don't I don't think it's a bad thing. Well, like they said, it's, it's very clear in its ideas, but not preachy. Mm -hmm. I guess maybe he I'm mixing up heavy handed and preachy in the mm -hmm. same thing. But I guess they're not exactly the same thing. Mm -hmm. But also, Johnson likes that the movie has a decidedly independent female hero, praises the music and the animation, and praises Curry and Williams, and ends the review with, quote, If Fern Gully ends inconclusively and also loses its way when it treats Krista and Zack to a loving idol in a rainforest pool, the animated feature offers a variety of satisfactions for most of its brilliant time on the screen, end quote. I also forgot to mention this movie gets compared to Avatar, like the, the James yeah. Cameron Avatar. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And like what they were saying in this quote, it loses its way when it treats Kristen and Zach to a loving idol. That's my that's the scene I was talking about. That's the point where you go, what's happening? What's going on? When when are we going to start saving the rainforest? Like, what? <laughs> Don't we have a mission? <laughs> like, I don't understand. Aren't we trying not to die, Krista? <laughs> Put your head in the game. I don't. Yeah, I'm, I would start at that point. That's where the movie starts losing it. <laughs> Definitely. So they do say has a decidedly independent female hero. And that's true. But like, could she have more? <laughs> she could have more. She could have more. I don't know. And also, I don't know. Maybe I'm being a prude, but like, she is more close. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I don't know if that's a point or not. She could still be as independent and wear as much clothes as Zach. And grandma has like a whole flower gown on. She's got a whole little wizard dress on, you yeah. know, like. Maybe I'm being prude. I don't know. I don't think you're being prude. I think there's a lot of times, especially in fantasy and sci-fi things, mm -hmm. where female characters get sexualized in some way, even if they are being empowered, like mm -hmm. for other skills that they have, they still have to be defaulted to a more scantily clad outfit. And it's not necessarily a bad thing for someone mm -hmm. to dress that way. It just no. seems like a pattern that we see a lot. And I think that's okay. You're not a prude for pointing out that that maybe isn't the coolest thing to do. It, yeah, that's my point. Yeah. So the next one is from Animation for Adults, written by Ali Cat Harris in June of 2016. It says that although it wasn't widely accepted by critics, the film's concepts were utilized by filmmakers afterwards. It said most notably James Cameron's Avatar. Says that the movie is impactful, but not without its flaws. And says that the story lags at moments and distracts the audience with bright visuals instead of drama and action. And that's not to say it isn't ever action-packed or suspenseful. And says, quote, After watching the film in recent years, I can honestly say that it is very much a scary movie for younger audiences, but that is why I love it so much. End quote. Well, I remember being a kid, I was terrified of this movie, but watching it as an adult, I don't know why <laughs> I was terrified of this movie, because Hexus is definitely a scary villain, probably just those scenes of Hexus, but like, overall, this movie is not. I just, I'm just trying to figure out why I thought this movie was scarier than Secret of Nim, because I watched Secret of Nim ton as a kid, so I don't understand how I only got to watch this once. Yeah, I can't really explain, because there are, my nephews now, and like, other children in my life, the things mm -hmm. that they actually get scared by 
is never the thing you expect them to be scared by. There's one tiny thing in the background of a movie is scary, but like something that's actually supposed to be scary is not. When I was a kid, I watched Jurassic Park at three years old. I wasn't scared by any of the dinosaurs, but I was fucking terrified of E.T. And he was supposed to be everyone's friend. So you explain that. <laughs> That's the reason I didn't watch E.T. a lot growing up. It's because I was scared of E.T. Yeah. There was like one VHS we had that like, E.T. was a trailer. Mm -hmm. Whenever he was like, I'll be right here. <laughs> that would terrify me as a kid. I don't know why. Ooh, I love that. This weird little finger, I think, scared me. Yeah. I'll be right here. I just love your ET impression. That is, thank I think you. that's a highlight. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Oh, that's fantastic. But anyway, back to this review. It says that the movie has a unique art style and it has impressive computer animation for the early 90s and even for today. And says the music is a tricky aspect of the film. Like some songs, in their opinion, are gorgeous and moving and then others seem pointless with the exception of Toxic Love, which is not at all necessary, but catchy and diabolical. That's the point. <laughs> Mention that the original version of Toxic Love was originally R-rated and <laughs> included explicit sexual language. Why? <laughs> I don't know who this movie was originally for or this song, but I know um, Elton John helped with the music for this movie. That's odd because he's done a lot of... Yeah, like Lion King. Yeah, Lion King. He did El Dorado. That's a great... Yeah. That's a kid's movie, so I don't understand... Maybe Toxic Love was not originally supposed to be for this movie. Yeah, maybe he's all like, no, 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 no. We're gonna have to change some things. <laughs> but like, apparently it was very explicit sexual language in the song, but they, the writer of this was not comfortable saying exactly what that explicit language was and said that they loved the characters as a kid, but now as an adult can see why critics gave specifically the characters a negative review. It says that Krista, while she's energetic and fun, is not interesting as a protagonist. It says that she's not annoying, but she doesn't do anything interesting until the closing of the third act yeah so she's not a very compelling protagonist that makes sense it says that krista's best attributes are her courage and her independence and she still kind of manages to keep our attention hexus is the best character and is disturbing and entertaining and is the perfect embodiment of destruction and perversion yeah i totally agree with that ends the review with quote although it was nowhere near as memorable as the brave little toaster or beauty and the beast fern gully brings back so many nostalgic memories for me it is a bit of a guilty pleasure cartoon but i do not mind sometimes we simply need to wander through the forest and take a break from the world and quote i mean that's nice and like this movie is very visually beautiful i will agree with that but i don't know as a movie i think if you watched it more as a kid yeah but i get why you wouldn't think to just put this movie on this movie isn't unwatchable i watched all of it it was fine but it just it's not something i'm gonna return back to anytime soon if at all could you scroll back up was it the computer animation part yes it was actually because like i guess i could see it with batty and how he was flapping his wings i could tell that was computer animation i couldn't really tell what else was because like it was all decent animation a flock of birds they did it for or mm -hmm. something like just things that would would have taken a lot longer if they did it traditionally like mm -hmm. you know a little bit more about the animation process than i do i wouldn't know where to recognize what's computer and what's traditional i'm trying i'm just trying to think because like i can see like how a few things were and it's in that era where they were first starting to use computers and animation and it is very obvious in a lot of movies i'm trying to think of one but shoot i can't think of any but like Terminator. Terminator. Terminator 2, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's in that, oh God, yeah. 
it's in that era of like first using it. It is just so distracting. It is just yeah, absolutely just eyesore in any movie it's used in. It's not really in this movie. There are times where I caught it, but we're saying the world no. Mm-hmm. But it is one of those things where it catches you, and it's like, oh, I noticed that. I wish they didn't do that. Yeah, it was new. And they were using it, and it was good enough for the time. Yes. That's what I just wanted to say, because, like, I am always interested in the animation process and what they use. Do you agree uh, with how they explained how they feel about Krista's character now? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I Yeah, she doesn't have a lot going on. She wants to save her home, and she, she is independent, and she is brave. Good for her, but there's not much else going on. Kind of like with, with what I was saying with your issues with, like, her wearing a swimsuit. Mm-hmm. There was an attempt to make her, like, this cool, like, female character, but there wasn't as much of an attempt to make her a person personality yeah that's the whole probably why i brought up that up too because like she's kind of ditzy i would say yeah it's a very shallow characterization she's very shallow not ditzy but shallow because like she just kind of has like i don't know just she's naive which i get because like she's a fairy in the woods she only knows what she knows but like super naive where it's like a huge flaw (laughs) is she supposed to be like the equivalent of 16 too like that's yeah that's the whole we really don't know anything about this character yeah The next review I have is from David Cornelius from the website DVD Talk from October of 2005. Cornelius said when he originally watched this movie that he wanted to walk out of the theater when the fairies started jamming out. He hoped upon rewatching this film 14 years later that his hatred of it was like exaggerated. Maybe I was just being dramatic back then. Maybe it's not as bad as I remember. But he watched it with his daughter and his daughter mostly was bored throughout the whole thing. Mm. It says that the movie is really lovely for really brief moments, but generally it's cloying and preachy and says that, quote, a self-important environmental message piece that only Sting could love, end quote says that it's heavy-handed and has no subtlety. This film couldn't rein Robin Williams in like Aladdin could. Yeah. Was upset at the potential that this movie had and said that the backgrounds were lush and lovely, but the character animation was weak and less impressive. And the message is good, but the filmmakers should have scaled back a little bit. And they wasted the fairies as defenders of nature idea. I agree. I think it's a really cool concept. Fairies as main characters is something I love. And I feel like this movie wasted the use of just having fairies that's so true because they don't really do much until the like literally the last five minutes of the movie that's it they could be just people there's nothing <laughs> exactly ends this review with quote ultimately fern gully is a film that will only impress very young viewers those old enough to appreciate the morals of the story are not likely to enjoy the cloying situations and mediocre presentation it is second rate uninspiring and quite forgettable end quote is not wrong going back to the thing where he says like it's preachy the only thing this movie really had was their message about deforestation and environmental issues to say that wasn't what the part of this movie was what the fuck is going on what moral does it have outside of that what goals are they like that, that that's the whole thing it's just like that's really their bit and that's it and the rest of the movie, they're just kind of running around. Yeah. Not saying it's preachy, but it is like the only, th- that's the only thing they have to latch on to this movie. 
in terms of messaging, Secret of Nim, I think what that movie did right was not including humans as any way other than a background outside force. Mm -hmm. Yes, this movie has humans as an outside force, but it feels like they're a little too included in the story to where it, in my opinion, I feel like it undercuts the message a little bit. Yeah, I get that. Every theme, we've managed to be able to compare the two movies. I know. Well, I think that's just the thing with movies. I mean, maybe one week we'll just get wildly different movies where we can... We had like fucking Vice and Bernie and we're able to like make <laughs> comparisons between the two of them. Yes, that's true. I don't know. Maybe just like inherently all movies are in some shape or form. You're able to just like compare something about them. Yeah. That's the question I was thinking of. What would the moral of this movie be outside of Save the Planet? What do they have to rely on besides the environmental stuff? Yikes, I don't know. Transparent love story. Very transparent. Also, is she cheating on Pip? Are they a thing? Yeah, what are you doing to Christian Slater? <laughs> what are you doing to him? Well, okay, so Secret and Nim had a thing where, like, about bravery, courageousness. So you could compare that, but I don't really know. The shallow characterization of Krista versus, like, Miss Briggs being... She did for her family. She had a strong internal motivation like yeah exactly like we know what she wants that's it krista's supposed to be helping her entire community and mm -hmm. she gets distracted by the external things well half of the movie she doesn't even know there's something wrong with the rainforest she saw some things were like oh there's a monster she gets lied to by a white man that's yes that's the whole <laughs> thing so half the movie she really she doesn't even know there's really a huge issue going on like a devastating issue going on she's just walking she's just going through the forest with a boy so i think that's kind of lost in the movie as well like what was the character really motivate motivated through half of the movie i guess the best way to put it is like it doesn't seem earned yeah like none of it as a viewer getting to the end it doesn't feel like we earned any of the conclusion the characters didn't earn any of it the villain was there for five minutes i agree a lot with this reviewer we're saying there, this movie really did have a lot of potential and had so many cool things going for it fucking robin williams and tim curry in this movie together and you fumbled it yeah but anyway uh, do you have anything else to say before we move on no we can move on okay so moving on to the audience reviews we'll start out with a 10 out of 10 this is a review from imdb from 2021 and is titled beautiful before it's time i've just rented this to show my husband and little boy I loved it so much as a child due to the gorgeous rainforest animation, and I remember Hexus being a scary and brilliant villain. I realize now on watching as an adult that this was way before its time, and the message is perfect for today's society and awareness of climate issues, deforestation, conservation, and other environmental problems that are now more in the spotlight. The story is fabulous, animation stunning, it's of its time, and the message is brilliant. Robin Williams and Tim Curry are their usual exceptional selves too. It's 2021. Watch it now. Yes, there's more awareness for climate change, but I don't think... That's because it's almost... <laughs> it's The planet's dying. Yeah, <laughs> like it's, it's, it, it's being brought up more because it's visible now. <laughs> it's effect, it's, we're almost up. <laughs> we're losing the excuses. Time's up. <laughs> There's still a chance, but like, it's, it's press, it's a pressing matter. It's a very pressing matter. But we'll move on to the first negative review. Two and a half star review from 2016 from Letterboxd. And it says, can we talk about how unnecessarily sexually charged Tim Curry's performance in this film was? <laughs> it was like a step away from Dr. Frankenfurter. Yes. Okay. That's what I was like. That's the, uh, the imagery that I was getting. <laughs> Why would they give a bad review? And that's the comment they make. Cause that's probably the best thing in that film. <laughs> I feel like they, they maybe they enjoyed that and nothing else. Yeah. 
the the, the rest is shit <laughs> yes but we'll move on to the next one yeah which is from 2021 and is a two and a half star review from letterbox and says vibrantly colorful but didactic and crass as only early 90s non-disney animated musicals can be watching this ecological fantasy fable of my childhood as an adult can only be described as 76 minutes of styrofoam loudly rubbing against cardboard also why is tim curry's hexus the horniest sounding character to ever feature in a family film oh right because it's tim curry color my childhood retroactively ruined I love that. Styrofoam loudly rubbing against cardboard. That is a horrid sound. Yeah. And they really hated this thing. <laughs> yeah. Good lord. I love how everyone who's writing review is coming back to watch it. I love this. Like, this is very interesting to me that we're all coming back to watch this one movie. Because it's no one's favorite movie ever. No. No one's going, this is my favorite movie of all time. I rewatch it every year or whatever. No. no. People are coming back. Oh, this is what did it. No. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so the next the next review is a 3 out of 10 from IMDb from 2010 that is titled, Don't worry kids, magical fairies will save us. The eco-friendly animated feature is a children's environmental fantasy about a tropical paradise protected by guardian fairies, one of whom, a cute Tinkerbell lookalike, develops a crush on the first human she ever sees, after helping him mend his ignorant woodcutting ways. Of course, she first shrink him down to fairy size in much of the same way that the script likewise reduces its message to a basic cartoon conflict between good and evil, with plenty of post-George Lucas mysticism. Some of the animation is fine if only the film paused show it off the pace is set to match a tv ruined attention span which at least has one advantage none of the songs is more than 40 seconds long parents may feel obligated to drag their kids to see it but don't be fooled fern gully cheats on its ecology lesson by suggesting that the rainforest has magical powers of restoration which it certainly doesn't and if we teach our kids to start relying on fairies to save the earth we're all in big trouble the best voices are provided by toxic sludge monster tim curry and dingbat robin williams this review is annoying because it takes it literally. The fairies is the kid aspect of the movie. Yeah. It's not supposed to be taken literally. The point of the message is every living thing has the power to restore, to nurture, to let grow. We all play a part. Exactly. I don't like when people take the kid aspect of the movie and go, are we really teaching our kids this? No, they're going to grow up. Yeah. And know that this isn't real. Like, kids are smarter than what you think. They don't actually think fairies live in the rainforest. Well, some might. <laughs> but... Well, like, they're allowed to. They're little kids. They're going to grow up and unlearn these things. That's the thing. You, reviewer, unlearned things like that. Yeah. But they're going to take away that I can, I can as a person help. We are entering into this movie through Zach. And seeing that as humans, we can change the ways of the other humans around us and do something mm -hmm. to help rather than harm. And I, I'm not giving this movie any credit for that. No. But I will say maybe that is the other message. Like you can go against what you've been taught and learned and make a change for the better instead of continuing to harm. Exactly. But I'm not saying that that movie meant to do that. No. And <laughs> I, the, I forgot to mention this earlier, but the ending of the movie is Zach. He takes both those like two dudes that were running the machine. He goes, listen, guys. Things got to change. Yes, because that's how every rainforest has been saved around the world by just one 16-year-old going, we need to stop cutting down trees. 
and everyone going, yes, yes, I understand. No, <laughs> that's not how it works. What, you and your two friends working at a lumber company saying, we're going to cut down less trees. Let's quit our jobs. Like they aren't going to just replace us with somebody else. First off, they're not one of thousands of people mm -hmm. out there cutting down rainforests. Also, they're part of a company from a CEO who's making millions off of the land development of whatever. Who's not going to listen to them. Yeah, that's the thing. These aren't douchebags just coming out here to tear down trees by themselves. Yeah, who just thought it would be fun. Yeah, they're not, that's not how it works. They don't own the lumber company. No. <laughs> but this movie did not have the time to get into the whole um, capitalism aspect of it. Yes, and it is a children's movie, so I understand why they did it. <laughs> but I audibly laughed when that was like the last exchange of going, things need to change. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That was the little point I want to make because <laughs> I just remembered it. It's just a metaphor, dog. Like It's just a metaphor. I do like this last sentence. Toxic sludge monster Tim Curry and dingbat Robin Williams. Okay, those are great ways to describe those two characters. That's what they are. Mm -hmm. But anyway, <laughs> we'll move on to the next review, which is a two and a half star review from February of 2022 from Letterboxd and says, this one had me thinking the bat was a ripoff of Robin Williams' genie, only to find out it was literally Robin Williams' role directly before genie, the prequel to genie, if you will. Mm -hmm. Anyways, this film is a perfect example of the Tim Curry paradox in which he simultaneously makes the movie better and worse. Worse because you spend every second he isn't on screen wishing he would just come back. Like, at least if a movie's solidly mediocre, I can get comfortable with that. But how am I supposed to go on after watching Toxic Love? I should have just stuck to the YouTube clip didn't need to see it in context at all fair i agree wholeheartedly yes mm -hmm. yes yes <laughs> the tim curry paradox part like yes yeah 100 percent. i didn't know what they were going with that but i was like that is exactly yes i understand it now he blesses you with every scene he's in yep he does this one's long this is from September of 2008 on IMDb, 1 out of 10, and is titled Utterly Confused. I recently watched Fern Gully for the first time as an assignment for an AP environmental science class. Even though I was a child of the 90s, I never saw Fern Gully and so look at the movie without the rose-colored glasses of nostalgia. First off, I can forgive a movie for being made when it was, but this is definitely not a timeless piece and should probably still be lost in the 90s with pound puppies. What I don't understand is how I'm supposed to look at this on a serious level. Zack learns that he shouldn't cut down the rainforest because there are fairies around and trees can feel pain. The movie does not go into any detail about the plight of the non-fictional animals and doesn't even amp up the pathos with those huge-eyed creatures that were dancing in the one scene they are never seen again. In fact, the forest was portrayed as a terrifying place with creatures that would quickly devour a person if they were small enough. I guess it's supposed to be saying that the inhabitants of the forest will be harmed if their home is destroyed, but just the fact that fairies aren't even real kind of makes the story lose any power it had. Also, so what exactly is the pollution goo supposed to be? I understand that he's some evil demon thing that feeds on pollutants and wants to destroy the forest, but I don't get how it can be looked at metaphorically if the pollution is in control of continuing itself as it is during parts of the movie. Finally, if I had seen this movie as a young child, I probably would have had nightmares for weeks. Between Hexus becoming a horrible skeleton poop monster and the comic relief of Batty having terrifying bloodshot eyes and a raging case of rabies, this movie rivals Snow White for the scariest children's movie ever. I get why Snow White is scary. There's there's mm -hmm. some scary parts in Snow White. I think the reasons why they're saying it's scary is just because, I don't know, I think they're just being snarky. <laughs> except for the Hexes Park. Skeleton poop monster. <laughs> they're being snarky. Okay, they made a good point about like, hey, we should keep out the rainforest because fairies live there and trees feel pain. 
And not, like, actual reasons because, like, hey, there's animals that live there. There's... And sustain the ecosystem. Exactly. It's very important to the world that these rainforests stay where they are and the animals that live in it are very important. The plants that live in it are very... Mm -hmm. I can see why the movie doesn't really portray that very well. It just... Yeah. Hey, fairies live there and trees feel pain. It's... Yeah. Okay. I get that. It's a little too metaphorical Mm -hmm. in what it's trying to say. Yeah. So what the person was saying before about the fairy stuff, I don't know if that was their point or not, but like this person put it in context that I understand. That other person were kind of coming at the same point, but I don't think they fully understood why it was an issue. Mm -hmm. So it came off more as like kids think that fairies are going to save the world. Yeah. That's the difference between this and Secrets of Nim. Secrets of Nim was really rooted in like reality, even though Mm -hmm. it had magical elements to it. It's a warning. It's a, because like, what if you're you're harming something and changing the way that they have to go about existence you're harming a living thing and i think that should be taken into consideration you should think about that <laughs> yeah think before you animal test <laughs> <laughs> that should be the title of this think before you animal test <laughs> Okay, but we'll move on to the next one. Mm -hmm. This next one is a two-star review from 2019 on Letterboxd that says, Look, it's pretty boring and kind of confusing, but Toxic Love is one of the greatest musical compositions of the 1990s, and its gospel must be spread. True. I'm just now realizing what I missed out on that song. Mm -hmm. Next one is a three-star. It's from June 2022 and says, The Himbo to Environmental Activist Pipeline. Great visual atmosphere that reminded me of early Disney and the interconnectedness of nature felt very present throughout. This was a perfect choice for a rainy day. I guess that wasn't really a negative. No, it really wasn't. Himbo to environmental activist pipeline thing is funny, though. That is. That's very good. I like that a lot. You mean if I care about the environment, I'll get to hit it? Kind of what this movie was saying, honestly. There's a message. (laughs) Okay. So this next one's from August of 1999 and is a 2 out of 10 from IMDb that is titled A Terrifying Movie Not Fit for Anyone Under 12. Oh, (laughs) no. I first saw this movie when I was the age it was meant for, and it scared the crap out of me. Recently, I watched it again with a friend, and even after watching horror flicks like The Thing, The Exorcist, and a bunch of other scary movies, this kid's animation still scared me a whole heck of a lot. Do not let your kids see this movie until they're at least 12, unless you you like your tots having nightmares. Really? You watched The Thing, and this scared you more than The Thing? Environmental anxiety? Sure, yeah, that's pretty scary. Mm -hmm. But other than that? No, this movie, you can show this to an eight-year-old, they'll be fine. Show a fifth grader this movie. I feel like a fifth grader could handle it. Yeah. Like a nine or ten-year-old. But yeah, I, I don't know. This person just sounds like a weenie. That's what, that's what I was, yeah. But anyway, we'll move on to the next one. This one is a star and a half from 2015 on Letterboxd, and it says, When I was in grade seven, the girl I had a crush on said Fern Gully was her favorite film. At that time, I told her I also liked the movie, though I actually hadn't seen it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's the I most seventh it. grader thing to do. That is. I think this is the last negative one. Okay. So this is from May of 2005 on IMDb. Is it four out of 10 and is titled Innocent Nonsense? Question mark. I suppose one could look at Fern Gully as innocent guff. Guff. What is guff? Do they try to say, what's the word? Um, Trivial, worthless, or insolent talk or ideas. Okay. 
So it is a word. Okay. Innocent guff for young viewers, except for a more adolescent sequence wherein Zach and Krista get wet together. <laughs> but looking at this... Why do they say it like that? <laughs> I don't know. But looking at this 1992 flick, from the perspective of 2005, it seems more like eco-propaganda for children. We learn that technology, except for cassette players, which are fun, leads to death and destruction. The spirits of wise people are recycled into the living. Trees feel pain when cut. Research on animals is conducted by wanton brutes. And logging companies are on the side of evil. These days, you can pay big money and be taught all these things at, the, at a university. I guess I wasn't too surprised when I read that this movie was released on Earth Worship Day. They call it Earth Worship Day. It was just released on Earth Day. Nature good, humans bad. Robin Williams is funny as Batty the Bat, better than the same routine on Fast Forward, which he did for the genie in Aladdin, also 1992. Look, dude, just, just say you're a climate denier. That's okay. Climate change. It's such like an uh, aggressive stance on this movie to be like, propaganda. Eco-propaganda. Who, you, who uses the word eco-propaganda besides someone who has money and, <laughs> and gas and oil? This person sounds like they are standing in a park emptying cans of hairspray just into the wind. <laughs> just because. Just to own the libs, you know? <laughs> yeah, fuck the ozone layer. <laughs> Dude, you live here. <laughs> Cop has to go, sir, you're, uh, this is public property. You can't be doing that. <laughs> Let's move on to a review from July of 2022 is from Letterboxd and says, Krista, Pip, and Hexus shaped me as the bisexual I am today. <laughs> Daddy. Daddy is my ideal personality. This movie made me and is obviously in my top 10 all-time favorites. Oh, that's so funny. I can imagine the type of person this is in, in a good way, not in a bad way, but mm -hmm. I, I get it. I get that. Yeah. So the last review I have is a five-star review from June of 2022, and it is from Letterboxd and says, One of my earliest memories is of wanting Zach and Pip to kiss. Batty describing humans as the things that walk around going, Hi, Helen, is peak comedy. <laughs> and... Yes, obviously, Tim Curry as the smog-huffing embodiment of pollution is hot, but we get Christian Slater as a loincloth-clad fairy. The 90s truly were the golden age of animation. This is our third 90s animated movie in a row, so. Yeah, exactly. Because I watched this movie a lot, and the people that seem to like it are definitely people who seem like they watched it a lot growing up. I think the, the reasons that they like it seem to be Hexus and Batty, mostly. Yeah. Personally, those are the only parts I really like. Mm-hmm. But anything else about it other than the animation being really pretty, mm -hmm. I don't think it's a good movie. <laughs> no, I I totally agree. Mm -hmm. It's a weak movie. What would you give this out of 10? Four out of 10. Four? Okay. Mm -hmm. I think I'll say about the same. It gets two points for Robin Williams and mm -hmm. Tim Curry, mm -hmm. one point for music and one point for visuals. Yeah. That's, that's a good way to say it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, I genuinely don't have anything else to say about this movie. No, I've said everything I wanted to say too. If you want to reach out to us and give us any feedback or just give us any movie suggestions or any general gripes, you can DM us on our Instagram at EasyBigTakes. We also sometimes post clips on our TikTok at EasyBigTakes. And also, thank you so much for listening. This has been Easy Big Takes. My name's Kat. And I'm Riley. Easy watching out there. Bye. Bye.